today's show, we're going to talk sunlit tanks. Sunlit tanks, why are we even talk about it? Right, well, you know, as kind of the evolution of a reef hobbyist, some of us like to really experiment with different things. Um, and one of those things is kind of basically creating a tank that's only lit by natural sources or light sources, that is. And um, again, in my particular case, I have a biocube. It's a 25 gallon square cube under a skylight, which basically faces the east side of our house. And um, the cool thing about it is. In there, I can actually grow corals without having any kind of supplemental electric light source. Um, the bad thing is that that light only hits this tank probably, we'll say, three to four hours a day, and it doesn't hit the whole tank. It's just kind of a partial of the tank. And as such, I can really only grow like Gorgonians and Softies in there. And I, I always wanted to have SPS, but I couldn't. Well, again, Mike Paulette and I were talking probably several months ago, and he's got this room on his house that was just begging for a sunlit tank. If you can picture a normal square house, and in the back of this house, basically, he's got one the room that shoots off about 15 by, we'll say, 20 feet, um, and we'll say 20 feet long, right? And basically, it's surrounded by glass everywhere, meaning the three sides have glass floor to ceiling, some doors, some windows, that kind of thing. But then the roof itself is also a cathedral ceiling, and it's got skylights up there. So when you look at it, again, it's begging for a tank, and I guess after enough people kind of said, hey, you ought to try a tank there, it kind of got the bug, and he's actually setting up that tank. And so this series, and the reason why we are doing this series, is it's going to be one of those multi-part video series where we want to kind of track that tank and kind of learn the lessons from Mike of what to do and what not to do, because like, like everything else, he'll do some things right and other things that he will learn from so we don't have to make the same mistakes he does. And that's actually why we are actually showing this video today. And so today's video is actually probably about two weeks after the tank's been set up, and it's more of a Q&A with Mike of, you know, what he's doing, what his plans are for the tank, etc. And now, before we spin up that video, again, if you are new to reef keeping and you want to check out a lot more videos, I've probably got well over 200-ish videos out there that are available to watch. Um, again, if you are a, an iOS kind of viewer, then you can just download the um, podcast app. And from there, you can download um, basically those videos that way. You can subscribe via by searching either for American Reef or Saltwater, and from there they'll pop up and you subscribe. If you're an Android kind of user, again, you can do it via an app called Pocket Cast. So just download that app, do that same search, and again, you can subscribe that way. Or you can just kind of do it on iTunes as well on your computer. 
Um, again, if, uh, if you'll notice out there, some of those feeds are limited, meaning the Reef 2 to 1, I think it only has 50-ish or so. If you're looking at the other seasons, I've probably got two or three other seasons, um, what you're going to have to do is go to AmericanReef.com and then from there click subscribe to the Reef Tutor channel to get those previous seasons. While you're there, if you're looking at purchasing one of the best fish foods on the planet, it's American Reefs HPD. You can click on, there's a link on the bottom center of the front page. It'll say click here to purchase American Reef HPD. Just click that link and then from there that's how you can purchase HPD. So with that being said, let's spin up that video of Mike, like I said, at about a two, week, two weeks into this, you know, sunlit tank project. keeping score at home this is tank number six so I now have the 300 SPS tank the frag tank the nano tank soft coral tank plant tank another experimental tank my what everyone has been telling me for the past seven years since I moved into this house you have to put a tank in your sunroom you have to use sunlight so now's the time so I'm trying I this has been up for approximately two two and a half three weeks it's still obviously in the very early stages, but it's a whole new concept for me. One, it's really simple. Two, it's only going to be grown from frags and tiny maricultured pieces. And three, I know this is going to, no one's going to believe me, but it's going to have a minimal amount of fish load in it. So I'm trying to do, make this as simple a tank as I can, at least initially have a small fish load. Uh, there's the cardinals that are downstairs that are coming up here. There's a uh, Navarcus angel that's going in here. Uh, a couple tangs, a couple rabbit fish. That's basically it. I'm not going to have 8 million fish jumping out of the tank. I'm making it as nice and simple. Possibly no wrasses, no antheas. I may eventually get some antheas if I get some nice ones. But this is as simple a tank as I've ever set up in my life. So, so I was going to say, that's our intro. Mike's simple tank. It's a simple tank because it has sunlight, even though it does have Kessel lights on it. I was going to say, before I hop under the lights, why, okay, besides this room, is the room the reason why you wanted to do it, or is this a challenge that you've never had before? No, I have seen tanks in sunlight. I've seen a couple tanks in California that were under sunlight. My friend, uh, Dr. Mike Fontana, had a solar tube that went, two solar tubes actually went over his 150-gallon tank, and that's 20 years ago, and he grew some of the nicest corals ever just with those in fluorescent lights. So I wanted to try something new because I've seen sunlight, I've seen what it can do. Uh, obviously we're in western Pennsylvania, the cloudiest place on earth. So I wanted to try it in sunlight. So I made all the measurements before just to make sure there was enough light. Uh, we get about 200 sunlit days a year here, which isn't a whole lot when you think about it. So, but when there's light, it's a lot of light. I mean, it's, I, as I said, I made the measurements. I'm getting over 1,200 par here on a perfectly sunny day. I'll get four to eight hours of sunlight on this tank. So to me, that should be enough to keep things going. Uh, as I said, this has just been set up for two weeks. The corals have been in here for 13 and 14 days, and everything so far has survived. So let's clarify a couple things. Okay, so it's 
200 sunny days. Okay, what that really translates is there's there's about 50 sunny days, right? right. And then the rest are kind of overcast. Overcast, so partly right. cloudy. So I'm thinking on most days I'm going to get four hours of really good sunlight on here on a good day. And now define really good as far as that par rating for you. 1,200. Okay. And then on... At the surface. There you go. So is today considered a, a good day for you? No, it has been cloudy almost all day. As soon as we started shooting this, the clouds opened yes, up. Yes. And we got some sunlight so you can see the glitter lines. You can see how bright the tank looks. And what's amazing, though, is when the lights are on and the sunlight's on, you cannot tell that the lights are on. Right. And that, that is, if I've had these full blast, full intensity, full white, it does not look like the lights are on. Right. And when these are on, they're only putting out 350 par. I'm not running a ton of light on this tank to supplement it, and it's all blue light. I have blue to the max, and I have the lights on at about 60%. And now, is the reason you're doing it for a color? In other words, coloration? Because I, I mean, Yeah, if, if you look at the, there was Adley's tank and Reef Builders had the same concept, and I've actually seen several other tanks that were sunlit tanks, and if you don't run any blue or any actinic, you get massive growth, but you get massive beige and brown growth. Right, so and I'm all about the colors, so I put the maximum blue on here, to do this and the reason I'm running the Kessels is twofold. One, all of my frag tanks downstairs and my uh, nano tank are run under Kessels. So when I bring stuff up from there I don't want to change it because I have had corals bleach and stress when I move them from the Kessels to the Radions. The Radions put, are putting out seemingly more light or more focused light. Right. The second thing is sunlight comes in from the morning window from here. I don't want maximum, I want minimal amount of shadows so using a smaller spotlight type bulb or system is much more efficient on here in terms of getting maximum sunlight on the tank. Okay, so now just kind of let's step back. You, you, you saw tanks like that, you always wanted to try it, right? Right. And, and now you've been in this house for years, it's not like the first Yeah, year. I've been in here for seven right. years and for seven years my family comes out here, they love this sunroom. They see all the tanks throughout right. the house. They've all been saying forever, you've got to put a tank out in the sunlight. This is the perfect place for a tank. There's two big chairs. There'll be a third chair there to sit and enjoy it with. It'll be a nice, relaxing right. place to look at it. For me, a very simple tank. Okay, so now, again, for the new hobbyists out there, you've got a tank. What size tank is that? This is a 90-gallon, but it's a 90-gallon uh, super wide. Okay. That is, it's 24 inches wide. The traditional 90-gallon is only 18 inches wide. So I went six inches wider, but it's only uh, 18 inches tall. Right, and so now... Which is also done to maximize the sunlight hitting it. There you go, that's what I was going to ask. That depth, right? Because if you've got new guys out there uh, wanting to do this with taller tanks, you know... I, I don't know if... Uh, this is an experimental tank. Sure. Worst comes to worst, if this flourishes like I hope it will, I can always go to a 150, which is 30 inches tall. Or I can go to a 120, which is 24 inches tall. I can always play with the tank size. The tank, as we all know, is the cheapest part of this, and nothing is drilled, nothing is major. I mean, any of those tanks only take two people to move, so it wouldn't be a big deal. And obviously, I'll end up using this for moving to a frag tank or something else. Right, right. Because I am crazy that way. <laughs> but for right now, this is what I wanted to do, and I wanted to make it as simple as I can, just because, I, one, I didn't want to spend any money if it failed, and two, I, I do such elaborate things, I wanted something that re I really wasn't going to do a whole lot of work on. Right, right.
What we have is a simple CPR overflow box. Well, okay, when you say simple in general, let's define simple. Meaning there are certain things... It's not a tube, it's a pre... Uh, right, so Injection molded overflow box. So in other words, you don't need to drill a tank. You don't have to drill a tank. I can move that wherever I want. It's fairly simple. Uh, it, it, you can adjust it up and down so you can adjust where the water level is to make it perfect. So you don't have a lot of the problems that I've had when I've drilled tanks in the past. Right. Drill tanks are nice because they basically are a nice closed system. The problem we've always had with these systems is they get air bubbles in, the siphon breaks, and then you're stuck. Right. This I'm running the aqua lifter on to suck out the air bubbles that get trapped. It's been working fine so far. I've turned it on and off 40, 50 times just to test it because I don't really want a flood in my sunroom. <laughs> and for that reason, it's worked perfectly so far. As I said, it's only been up three weeks, but to date, I'm pretty happy with And again, as I said, viewers who watch my tank know that I have two of these on just because we know they fail over time. So if you're a new guy out there, yeah, don't do anything in ones because even though this happens, the siphon does break for who knows, who knows if the pumps fail or whatever. So now you're saying simple as in, so that's a simple overflow going into a simple, simple overflow. Sump. It goes into a very simple sump. What I used was a used breeder that I had before, a used 40 gallon breeder. I didn't even do the partitions like I traditionally do. Right. All I did was put a uh, Rubbermaid box in there that yeah. I cut the holes out or I drilled holes in and I put a couple pieces of PVC, flat, flat PVC, not PVC pipe, up to right. make a partition so the water is forced to flow through the box, into the, through the holes, flows down across the bottom and then flows across a uh, dish uh, box right. that I got for a dollar at the dollar store that I cut out the bottom and both of those hold Miracle Mud. So I have two things flowing across Miracle Mud. It just flows across that, it's not very aggressive. And then I got a new Deltec skimmer, inline skimmer. And the reason I went with Deltec, I know there's a million different new skimmers right. out there, right. and everyone thinks there's the best or whatever. I had used Deltec 10 years ago, and to me at the time, it was the best. I wanted to see one, how they kept up with things, and two, how they innovated. And to be honest, I'm pretty impressed with it. It's a very small unit. But even on pure clean water, and this was all, for the most part, brand new water with a little bit of water from my 300 gallon tank mixed in, right. it has taken out a fair amount of gunk from the relatively clean tank. Right. Also in terms of simplicity, this is man-made live rock for the most part, as well as some pieces that I took out of my old tank from downstairs. So it's pretty simple and straightforward. I use the same kind of uh, aquascaping system that I did before. A uh, a paver with paver rocks from uh, uh, Lowe's on the bottom, right. fiberglass rod, drilled through this big sheet of man-made, which is are sometimes hard to get from what I've told, and I have lots of surface area close to the surface to right. grow everything. Right, which is awesome. But since it's going to be frags, they're going to. I want them at the surface. They're going to grow up. They will eventually grow to the top, I hope. But it's probably going to take me a year or so sure. to fill this tank in. Sure. Okay. So, question: uh, Those nice big long slabs. Where'd you get them? I got them at Aqua World. Okay. I don't. I don't know whose brand of uh, man-made live rock they are, but they got the purple coloration in them. Uh, they're very nice, and I like them because of how much space they do yeah. up and how much underneath the rock is open. And so when I put the fish in, I know they're going to hang out underneath. So there's a lot of open space for the fish, and there's going to be a lot of space on top for the corals. Now, do you care about the porosity or whatever that word is, right? In other words, you know, when you, usually you have plates like that. They're not quite so porous as the other ones. There's way. virtually no porosity. This right. is like a concrete slab. So, right. well, I mean, when I drilled it, it took a masonry bit, and it took every amount of effort to get through it. So this is pretty thick and straightforward. That's why I put in some of my own live rock. 
But that's also why the miracle mud's in there for biological filtration. Got it. Got it. And I mean, I now have coral frags that I've put in there for two weeks, as well as some damaged pieces where the fish were eating some of the euphilias, which is sure. driving me crazy. Sure. I put those in here, and for the most part, everything is polyping out and opening up in this tank. Well, okay, let's talk about that. So, um, again, you got a brand new tank. Normally, everybody has to go through a cycling and a curing process. You didn't do that. I didn't do that because the live rock was already cured and processed. Okay. I took uh, three, uh, for lack of a better term, they're basically cheese buckets full of uh, live uh, miracle mud from downstairs, replaced it, put that in here, so I already had biological filtration. I did water from downstairs, which was also already free of everything. Right. And basically have only put corals in here, no fish. Corals can tolerate ammonia pretty well, actually very well. Right. So there's been no problem with anything dying or anything like that. I've tested it, there's no ammonia, there's no nitrite, and there's very low nitrate, because there's basically nothing in this sure. tank except sure. live rock. So from that standpoint, uh, the next step is I'm gonna put a damsel fish in here next. Sure. Just as a test, but I've put in a dozen snails in here. They've all survived. I put an urchin in here, which is really a good indicator if the water quality is good, because I've had them die in sure. just about anything. Sure. But I've also put some coral frags in here, uh, some montiparas that I started first with, and now I've put a couple of croperas, one from the big uh, colony that sits in the center of my tank, right. Right. and a small piece that I broke off of a table coral, which typically are kind of iffy too. They've all survived for now a week. Right, right. So, I mean, I've had stuff bleach when I've put new tanks the next day. Everything here has survived a week. So the next stage is I'm going to take probably a dozen frags out of the frag tank this week. Or I'm going to break frags off of the frags, which sure. is more likely what I'm going to do, sure. just to make sure. Put those in here, mount them, and see how let the tank go. come to mind when you say you pulled you know 90-ish or it'd be what 100 and whatever gallons out of your main display did that cause anything weird to happen no I do water changes every week I save the water change water Got it. put so, it in here so you it just took you two weeks to kind of fill it up or three weeks yeah to it took up. me two weeks to fill it up I'm, as I, everything I'm trying to do I'm trying to do is slow and, and is sure typically I'm want to jump in with both feet no pun intended but in this case I'm, I'm trying to take it uh, nice and slow so I'm adding the corals there getting a couple weeks before I put in the next batch of frags it's gonna be up a month before I even put fish into the tank I've tested for ammonia I've tested for alkalinity right. I mean there's some things I'm gonna do like I said it's gonna be simple simple overflow a nice simple skimmer when I say a nice simple skimmer when I want to take it off all I got is take the top off the delta X real nice I can adjust it up or down because it's a DC pump. It's a really nice design for right. simplicity. Right. Uh, in terms of if it's something simple, it's more you're more likely to do it. Uh, one of the only things I'm going to do on the overflow box is because it's in sunlight, I know it's going to get algae covered pretty quick. I'm going to cut out. This is a uh, plastic folder that you yep. can get at Staples. 
cut it to fit the side boxes. I'm going to make basically make the overflow blocks completely black. That way, I'm going to cut down any likelihood of algae buildup in there. Right. Because if I get algae, then I got to clean the whole box, which is a pain. Cutting those pieces of paper out takes five minutes. That's not such a pain. Right. I'm trying to make it simple. Uh, doing the water change, I can take everything out of the bottom. Actually, I'm going to take it out of the top tank. It's high enough. The only thing I have to do is schlep a couple of buckets of water. So once a month, I do 25 gallons of water change between here and the 70 out of the room. I'll do 15 from this tank, 10 from that tank. So I'll be schlepping five buckets in, five buckets out, sure. which isn't a big deal. Sure. Okay, a couple things I've noticed. Number one, no carbon, no GFO. As of right now, because I don't have anything really in here. Oh, the lights just kicked yep, on. Yep, the blue lights just kicked on. Wait, we're timing everything perfect. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we had this plan. Yeah, <laughs> sure we did. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no carbon, no GFO. Once I do the first water change, which I'm doing this weekend, then I'm probably going to put some carbon on the tank, make it absolutely crystal clear, because it is a little bit yellow. I mean, mm -hmm. notice that in sunlight. You really notice when water is yellow. Right. And then, as I said, the frags are going in. So that will be sort of the acid test as to how sure. things are doing. Sure. So then you are planning to put carbon on GFO, no? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay, good job. Initially, one of the things that we tend to think of is that we think of a tank as sort of static, but a tank is sort of on a continuum. That is, initially when you have a small amount of tank, any kind of nutrients are going to grow algae. Once you get the a lot of corals growing, they're going to extract a lot of those nutrients and they're going to outcompete the algae. So at that point, you may actually have to add some nutrients in. So like in the 300-gallon tank, I'm running less and less GFO as the corals are really starting to take off because they're taking the phosphate out of the water. Sure. And they're taking the pneumonia out of the water, so I don't really have to run those kind of things. But in a new tank where I'm trying to keep algae at a minimum and keep it at bay, actually, because with this amount of light, if I have any kind of nutrients, it's going to go sure. and the algae is going to go nuts. That's why I'm going to add it now and then reduce it over time. Sure. Okay, so then you'll be adding that. And how are you going to be dosing kind of like your carbon? Up the carbon there? dosing, well, those are just going to, I'm not dosing any carbon. What I'm okay. going to be dosing is feeding the fish, which I always feed well. Yep. But I'm going to do just a three-part, the bulk reef supply three-part okay. with a doser pump. So alkalinity, calcium, and magnesium are going to be dosed daily. For this tank, probably for the first three months, I'm going to test alkalinity daily, right. calcium twice a week, magnesium twice a month. I'm going to make sure everything's pinpoint, because the nice thing about these kind of dosers is you can have everything precise. I run up and down a lot with the calcium reactor I have downstairs. Right. You know, as a it's CO2, a it's, it's, it's much more of a pain, so I'm trying to run a nice doser to run this much more simply than with anything else I've done. Right. I've not used a doser before, but everybody that tells me, look, running a doser in two-part, the balling method is a lot simpler. You can be a lot more precise. That's what I'm looking forward to doing it. Once I have it zeroed in, right. I probably won't have to test alkalinity every day. But for the first three months, I probably will. Sure. Because to me, alkalinity is the key thing. If you have it fluctuating, that's when you tend to lose corals. Now, that's when I've tended to lose sure. corals. But Okay, so let's play that scenario out a little bit. Uh, you're you're going through and dosing it, and dosing is just going to cost you too much, right? In chemicals, right? What are you going to do then? I'm not really worried about dosing the cost of chemicals. That's relatively okay. small relative to the cost of the corals. Okay. So the biggest expense is the doser, but the chemicals themselves, you're talking pennies per day. Okay. Which really isn't bad. I mean, Walker Supply really. If you want to buy large quantities, it's going to cost you about eight cents a day to run your tank. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, most people can afford eight cents a day to run their tank and keep your alkalinity and calcium good. So, uh, to me, the most expensive stuff I've ever had to do is replacing corals. Okay. Replacing equipment really isn't that bad. 
replacing fish. Eh, some of them have been bad, but <laughs> that hogfish guy. That hogfish is yeah. I would cry over that. <laughs> but for the most part, things are relatively right. reasonable. So maintaining and testing, right, is, is fairly simple and straightforward. Okay, so then what happens if your kind of salt level, since it's calcium chloride, blah blah blah? What if your salt levels start to shoot? What are you going to do? I'm uh, I. I'm going to run the Tunzi to, to replenish fresh water on the tank every day. Right. The little Tunzi uh, osmolator. And I just, I just check the salinity. But what, happens, but what happens if that, in other words, if, you're, if you need to dose so much uh, calcium chloride, for example? I don't expect to have to dose really? that much okay. because this is a relatively small tank. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to crank it up. The salinity may gradually creep up slowly, mm -hmm. in which case what I'll do is increase the amount of water being added for evaporation. Okay. And I'll take out... You know, I'll take out water every day. Got it. You know, if I take out a couple cups of water from here every day, just to make up for that, that's not a big deal. Sure, sure. So this, I'm, I, like I said, I'm trying to make this as simple as I can. Now, now, at one point we were talking about you were actually going to use calc instead of the two-part. I may do the calc in addition and stuff, so I won't run phosphate remover. I may not. Eventually, as I said, I'm not going to, don't want to run GFO. But what I'll do is I'll have cal uh, calc phosphor as my makeup water. Got it. Got it, and then again, still keep with the simple concept. Yeah, and actually it's going back to my roots. I have run the two-part, but I didn't run it on a dosing system before. I ran Kalkwasser for the first 15 years I was in the hobby. All that stuff worked well. I mean, the corals grew phenomenally well, and all I did for the calc was my makeup water. Right. So if I can do the same thing here, yeah. uh, what I'm going to do is run it through the osmolator. I don't know how happy that's going to be sucking out Kalkwasser, but yeah. I can always run it acid through the, the piping and clean it out, so right. it's not a big deal. Right. And I'm not going to have it sitting in the calcifoster, I'm going to have it sitting above it. Okay. And so now, um, keeping with that simple theme, right, you don't have any hood or lid or anything, you're worried about evaporation being too much? or Actually, it's been relatively slow here. I mean, I'm losing less than uh, two quarts a day. Really? Which is uh, amazing yes. to me, yes. because the one thing I didn't mention in this room, all these uh, all the glass in this room right. is low UV. Right. So I'm not getting the heat in this in this room that I do in that you normally do in a room. Right. Right. Even the skylights are low UV. So this room stays as cool as the rest of the house. It doesn't get hot. You can stand in the sunlight all day. You don't get warm from it. Right. So unlike other tank, other rooms where you're letting UV light in, this tank is, stays cool all the time. So I'm not getting the evaporation. Nice. And since I'm not blowing a ton of Water sure. across the top, I'm also not going to get a lot of evaporation. Sure. And so now, uh, from evaporation, since that's the case, we're just going to use a five-gallon bucket kind of thing? Yeah, it's just going to be a five-gallon bucket, yep. pumping the water in, and that's where I'm going to mix up the calc phosphor, put a lid on it, reduce the amount of air that it's exposed to, and CO2, Sure. and just pump it in that way. Cool. Okay, and so now, right now, for example, you've got pretty much hardy corals in the Right. No, I have somewhat timbers, but I have uh, acropras, euphilias, yeah. I have a sclimia down below. The next things I'm going to put in, I'm going to put in some uh, uh, acans underneath, see how those do. This is going to be bare bottom, because I, again, I want to keep this as simple as I can. I'm going to put some montipras on the bottom and let them grow and cover the bottom glass. I'm going to put some acans in, so see how these, those do. Put some corals underneath these right. that will get a little bit of sunlight, maybe an hour of sunlight per day, and see how they do. I mean, like I said, this is an experimental tank. Right. If the acans really thrive under one hour of sunlight, then obviously I know I've been lighting them too strong mm -hmm. for all those years, 
but it gives me another idea of something to experiment and play with. Obviously, I'm not going to put my rainbow egg cans under there, but I'm going to put some decent egg cans under there because I want this tank to look nice. Because sadly, a lot more people are going to see this tank than yes, the 300. Because my family and friends tend to stay up here and they don't go downstairs to see the tank unless they specifically want to see it. Right, right. Okay, so if we look in the crystal ball two years down the road, what do you what do you see in this tank? I see it one probably being a 150. <laughs> so we'll be realistic. So it'll be this high, so you yeah. still be able to look at it. Yeah. But I look for it to be full of SPS corals that have grown and filled in every vacant spot within it. That's why there's a minimal amount of live rock. Richard Harker started the minimal amount of live rock philosophy probably 10, 12 years ago. And I mean, he grew massive corals in his tank with sunlight. Right. So I'm trying to do the same thing. And Try, and trying you, to grow them out. And uh, like I said, I'm going to start from little tiny frags, mm -hmm. this size, mount them. Some are going to be mounted under plugs. Some are going to be mounted right to the rock with uh, gel super glue, and we're going to go from there. So it's going to be an SPS garden that's just flourishing. SPS, there'll be a few LPS. There's actually mm -hmm. a Zini in there. Because yes. I, I wanted to use that to assess how good the water quality is. And it's, uh, it's actually pulsating and looks pretty good. Right. It's been in there for a week, and actually on the back end of it is a uh, Goniopora. So it came in as a joint rock, right. and the Goniopora is, is out and doing fine. Right. So I'm. Like I said, I'm experimenting. Some things will probably do fine. Some sure. things probably won't. But I'll have a pretty good idea within by July what's going to thrive and what's not. Right, right. So then I'll just expand from there. And it's it's the middle of May now as we're shooting this. Right. Just so you know. <laughs> so six or seven weeks from now, I'll have a pretty good idea of what's thriving, what's not, and I'll go from there. In the winter time, I'll probably increase the amount these are on. Right now, these come on at about three o'clock. They stay on till about nine o'clock. In the wintertime, I'll probably have them come on at 1 or noon and stay on. So I'm going to have longer periods of these, and then over time, just shorten the, the photo period. And I may have to reduce the intensity but I, or increase it. I don't know, but it's an experiment. So this kind of recap. Uh, water changes, you're going to do once a week, right? You're going to keep it light, minimal, right? Right. Back in six hours of the focus. Actually, I'm going to do uh, twice a month water changes. Okay. The 300 gets once a week. This is going to get twice a month. Okay. This and the soft roll tank are going to do twice a month. Okay. And again, as far as adding any hardware, that's all going to stay the same except your uh, GFO and carbon. I'm going to put GFO and carbon initially, eventually take that off and let the calc foster okay. take care of all of that. Uh, the only other thing I'm going to run is a gyre pump to get massive water motion within here. Okay, so uh, hold on, i got to ask you. The gyre, right? I get all kind of complaints about the gyres, you know, basically after, uh, I don't know, say six-ish to eight-ish months. They kind of stop and they're a pain. What, what's your experience? Been? The one downstairs has been running for a year almost. Uh, yeah, nine months. It's been fine. Yeah. Uh, the f prototype I had doesn't work, and the other one I had was running downstairs doesn't work either. So it's when it works, it's a phenomenal way to move a ton of water within the tank. Right. Produce a, not the heat that you typically do with power heads, and it's, it's right. really unobtrusive way to move a lot of motion. I don't want to do have to drill it and put a uh, closed loop on here. Right. So from it, it, it's still a work in progress in my mind. Right. I, I can't say it's the greatest thing I've ever seen, but potentially could be. Right. I mean, if they can work all the kinks out and get it to where it's more reliable, yep. then I think they, excuse me, really have something. Sure. And so for this tank here, you plan on just putting one or two? I'm going to put one in the, even the smaller one. Okay. Because there's a fair amount of water just from the return. Yeah. What kind of pump do you have? I'm just running a, a mag drive. Okay. It's just a mag drive seven. That's what was rated for that overflow box. Right. 
Like I said, but I did put two uh, flapper, like the gate valve, gate valves, valve those, uh, on so that if the power shuts off, it can still only drain down to the top of this. Right. So it's not a big deal. But as the corals grow to the surface, if the power shuts off, I don't really don't want them right. running dry right. in the sunlight. All right. So that's why those are on okay. there. But check valve. That's yeah, that's, yeah, I'm yeah. losing my mind. Yeah, on no, you and me both. Yeah, but there's two of them on here. As you what? said, redundancy is okay, nice. There you go. But and once a year, I'll take those off. They cost three bucks. There you go. Yeah, it'll take me five minutes to unscrew and put them back on. So once a year, I'll take those off. I now, because of my phone, keep track of when I put anything on or start anything. Sure. So sure. now I know how long stuff lasts. Where before, <laughs> oh, it's been on for two months. No, it was on for eight months. I wasn't paying attention. Right. Now I know how long everything's on. So I know when I have to take and replace stuff. Right. Like I know how long my CO2 tanks last. I know when I change the media in my filter or in my calcium reactor. Right. I'll know how, I will know how long the uh, uh, two-part will last. Sure. I mean, I'll get a good idea of how long everything will last based on this stuff. That's what I'm looking to do to keep track of things better. Sure. Particularly as you get old and crazy like me, you tend to forget stuff. So this, that's made things a lot easier. Okay, and uh, lastly, heaters and stuff like that. You got a normal kind of heater? I just got a, a normal aqua top. Aqua top. Sounds like some kind of clothing. Yeah, that's a, that's a simple 300 watt heater. It's been working fine. I mean, it, it's May. We've had some 90 degree days when the air conditioning was on, and I keep the house at 76. Right. And last night it was 55. It, it, got, it right. got down to 60 in this room. Uh, that kept it at a, a nice 77 degrees. So I had nine Marineland heaters that whenever it got warm, I always take them out and clean them. Only thing they were doing, they were nice nightlights. None of them were right. actually producing any heat. Uh, Marineland won't replace them even though it says they have a lifetime warranty. Right. Threw them all out, I'm done using Marineland heaters. Right. Right. None of them are in my tanks now and I will not put any more in there. Although, plus, a lot of people you talk to, at least people who I'll talk to, they're like, hey, for the cost of a heater, they just chuck it out every year. They're like, they don't even bother. Well, these didn't even work through the winter. Yeah, so, these were all six months old. I put them on in the fall. Right. And so, I'm not using those anymore. Yeah. I, I There's a bunch of good heaters out there. Yeah, try new ones. I'm trying some new ones. This one came relatively inexpensive. So, 300 watt heater, I think it was $19. There you go. So, yeah. And I, I have a uh, electric temperature monitor here. Mm -hmm. If the temperature goes below 76, it beeps. If the temperature goes above 81, it beeps. So there's no desire to put any kind of Apex Neptune issue? I have all that stuff on the 300. Right. Like I said, this is going to be a, a simple tank. And I'm only, I'm only 20 feet away in the other room. Yeah. So if I can't keep track of what's going on <laughs> in this tank, I've really you lost my touch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's nice because, I mean, anytime there's a storm or something, I'll sit out here, I can watch the tank, I can yeah, watch the storm. Yeah. I mean, the neighbors are going to flip out with these blue lights in the wintertime shining across the, the uh, snow, but that's what my old neighbors got used to, was yeah. the blue lights. And these are blue lights. Yeah, you can see it too, right? Yeah. The reflection off there. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive how nice these corals are showing just in the sunlight, but then, I mean, they, they tend to look brown. Right. And I have only been running these lights for a week. Right. I've been running the corals in here for two. The corals were all getting brownish after just a week. Right, right. Put the blue lights on, I got green again. And it comes back. I got green, I got turquoise and blue here. All right. It's gonna be, that's what else is gonna be interesting to see, how much the corals change color-wise yeah. from here versus the LED radions right. versus the castles downstairs right. alone. Because I could have three tanks with the same corals under three different kinds of lights, 
basically all the same conditions because I keep my parameters pretty close to the same. So it's not going to be a condition aspect, water condition aspect, it's going to be a lighting aspect. So I'm going to tell the difference between everything. And they're all the same colonies. So yeah, they're, they're all the same things. Right. I mean, Sanjay, uh, probably six or seven years ago, got five different red colorations right. and orange colorations of Millipora. Within six months, they all morphed to the exact same color. Right. So I'm going to see the different thing here. I'm going to see them morph into different colors under different lighting. Right. So it's going to be interesting but from that it standpoint. It will be, right? Especially yeah. Because like I said today, when we saw that, you know, the radions on your 300, that thing is way more colorful than it's ever been. It's yeah. As, 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 the, as the tank's maturing and now it's... 18 months since they've been on. Right. I mean, everything has gotten accustomed to them. I mean, I've learned to acclimate everything new that I put in, and it's just gone yes. crazy of late. Yeah, very much so. And it sounds like that's a good point to cut it. So what we're doing, we're in May now, and so we'll come back, say, July-ish. You know, July, August. Yeah. Because so everything will be in here. I mean, I will take some pictures, so we'll see how things have grown. I mean, this piece in the center will probably be here. We'll see how it's grown. The Montipper will probably move somewhere further away, and we'll, we'll just see how this tank is done. And to that point, right, where will you place those pictures? Probably on your Sunday morning coffee thing? On my Saturday morning uh, coffee with Mike Pilot on Reef Builders. There or I'll be talking at uh, Reef of Palooza, and actually I have a couple other talks, but I can't remember where they are. So I'll be showing pictures yep. of things there, of how things change and how things morph. And I'm also supposedly writing another article for... Coral Magazine on coral coloration, and once I have these things all going, that will sure. be part of the sure. process of talking, talking about coral coloration. So look out for those fine articles, websites, locations, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and keep your cards and letters coming uh, is what you'd like me to see or talk about. And uh, you're still free to give me grief on the Reef Builders blog, because uh, I do that for fun. It's not a scientific journal. It's uh, more uh, what's going on here, or what I'm thinking. Good deal. Thanks again, Michael. Thank you, Russ.